Open your Bibles to Colossians. Open your Bibles to Colossians. Colossians 1. I'm going to start reading in, in verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since the day we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. Verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world, also is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is faithful, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For, for this reason... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Last week we talked about how you have the Christian life. And we talked about the fruit of the Christian life. And the fruit of the Christian life, if you, know, if you want healthy fruit... You know, then you don't go out and, you know, massage the fruit and, you know, stretch the fruit on the limb. You don't go and throw fertilizer up into the branches. You, you don't, if you want healthy fruit, you don't go after the fruit. You don't even touch the fruit. If you want healthy fruit, then you have to go after the roots of the tree. You have to get healthy roots and then the fruit naturally will be produced. You know, it's these roots that draw in the water. It draws in the nutrients that feed the fruit, that produces the fruit. That's why we read in Jeremiah 17, 5 about that tree that's planted by streams of water. It has abundant source, right? Opposed to the tree or the little bush that's in the desert. And even though it has roots, it doesn't have anything to draw in. And so... It is the roots that you must focus on in understanding the truth of the, of the gospel that feeds and produces fruit. You know, in, in, in verse 5, it was the gospel. In verse 6, we saw that it was the root of grace that produces fruit. In verse 7, it was the slavery to Christ that was modeled by Epaphras. And in verse 8, it was love. Understanding that Christ loved us and that we need to cultivate love for others. And these, these fundamental truths of the gospel and grace and being a slave to Christ, these are the roots that feed the tree. These are the things that you have to meditate on. And you know what, you know what happens when you, when you wake up in the morning and you're meditating on, on these truths? You, you know what that, that is? You, you simply have a life of worship. You simply have a life of worship. And that's all really, a healthy root system is nothing more than consistently dwelling on who Christ is and how you are complete in Christ according to the love of God and the grace of the gospel. And when you get that and you worship through that, that's what creates a healthy root system. That's really all it is, is just a life of worship in who Christ is. You know, and I... I, I know people who have 
an understanding of the gospel. You know, they, I, I know other people that, you know, they read theology and they, uh, they, they get that stuff. You know, they might even be faithful at church and they read their Bible consistently. But, but yet somehow they still lack fruit in their life. They still lack a patience with other believers, a forgiveness. They lack uh, evangelism, being bold in, in the workplace. They, they just lack fruit. They, they, uh, many times, you know, they seem to be overcome by depression or they have a hard time trusting in God in, in difficult circumstances or they've been battling with some sin their whole life. And you know why I know that these people exist? Because I'm one of them. Because I'm one of them. I'm there. I struggle. I know. I, I look at the fruit in my own life and realize, no, not making apple cobbler this year. You know, I, I look and see that man. That is this is not much here, and I want I want greater fruit in my life. But this is a, this is a reality. This is a reality of the Christian life. You know, the roots can be seemingly lapping up the great truths of the gospel and the doctrines of grace, and yet it doesn't seem to make any practical impact on your life. You know, the fruit of your Christian walk seems to be small and insignificant. You don't seem to be doing great things for God. Yet you know the truth. You're, you're taking in the truth. You're being, you're being faithful at church and you're reading your Bible. Why is the fruit not coming? You know, and if, 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 fruit, if fruit is lacking, if you've got this, you know, weak little, you know, you, your, your fruit's looking more like, you know, like, you know, like that. <laughs> and off the, off the tree and it's shriveled and it's dry and, um, you know, you look at your own life and just not exhibiting the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, we should be concerned. It should, be, it should be concerning that we don't have fruit. Because Christ did not die on the cross so that we could have a big ball of roots. Right? And it's like, we'll just dig down a little bit and you'll see roots. I mean, I understand the gospel and what Christ did. And I have lots of Bible verses memorized. And I understand what's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I have these roots. But Christ didn't die on the cross so that we could have a healthy roots. He commands us even to be producing fruit because that's what He died for. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 verse 8 that bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He says the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. You need to be looking at fruit being produced because there is a man with an axe laying at the root of the trees. And if even if these roots seem to be healthy and have a lot of understanding, if they're not producing fruit, then that tree is going to be cut down. So, so how do we get the truth from the roots? How do we get the, the truth in the roots to become a reality in the fruit? How does that happen? Well, you need branches. You need branches. And in this next section... Paul prays for the church. He prays that they would bear fruit. But what is interesting is that Paul does not pray for their fruit specifically. He prays for the branches that will then send the nutrients to the fruit. He prays for their branches. It's really interesting. Look in verse 9. 
He says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, now let's just stop there for a second. What is the reason? Paul says, For this reason also. What is the reason that he's praying? What do you think? What is it? He says, for this reason. For what reason? The love in the Spirit. The love in the Spirit. Yeah. Some other elements there too. But, but they get the gospel. This is a good church. These are faithful people. For that reason, Paul's going to pray for them consistently without ceasing? You know, this is a great lesson on why to pray. How to pray for people. Most of the time, we only pray for those who are suffering from health or finances or some material loss. You know, we, we pray for the, for the rotten fruit of our lives, you know, that this isn't quite working out here. I got, I got rotten fruit. And if we don't know about a problem in somebody's life, if we don't know some issue, then generally, we don't pray. You know, we have a hard time getting our mind off of the things of what that's happening in this world. And that's why a, a lot of times, many times, and, I, and praise God, it is not with this group. It is not with you here. You pray so quality prayer requests. You are praying for the lost. You're praying for your own souls. And I, I praise God for that. I praise God for that. But many times, uh, when you sit in prayer circles, the prayers don't get past the physical and the material. They just don't. But when Paul got a glimpse of what the Lord was doing in heaven, then he started praying in line with that activity that was happening. Yes, Paul is praying for a healthy church. He's praying for people that are doing good. But in many ways, his prayer for these believers' roots and branches is far more effective than our own prayers for rotten fruit. Why? Because... If you've got a healthy root system and that those roots are being applied to, to the branches, the fruit will come. The fruit will come. You don't have to worry about the rotten fruit. Pray for the branches. And so look, look back at verse 9. And, and let's read this again now. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I, I want to look at three aspects here of a healthy branch so that the roots of the gospel have every opportunity to produce good fruit. The first aspect of a healthy branch is that Christ is in control. It says that we, we ask that you may be filled, that you may be filled. This means to totally control, to dominate. To engulf. The word is also used in Ephesians 5.18. It says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's the same word, filled. So, And, and what's happening here is you have two options. It's, it's kind of an illustration. But you can either be filled with, uh, with intoxicating substance, and it'll control you, will it not? And the more of it that you fill yourself with, the more it's going to control you. Your words, how you say your words, your judgment about lots of different things, uh, your actions, uh, your temperament, that's all going to be controlled by that substance. So Paul says, do not be 
filled with wine, because that leads to dissipation, leads to foolishness, impairs your judgment, and then you do stupid stuff. But be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled. Let your words, let your actions, let your judgment, let your temperament be controlled by the Spirit. So this idea of being filled is, is, a, is, is, is that you are controlled. That you are controlled. You know, so this is not necessarily just being filled up, but it is, a, it is a, an engulfing, taking control aspect. Now, now let's... I want to take a little moment and, and show you how this works. So keep your finger in Colossians because we're coming right back. But uh, turn to John 15. And I'll confess, I tried to simplify these verses in John 15. I'm like, okay, just find the, the main part. Just, the, the, you know, the, just get the meat out so that we'll just focus on that. And I kept trying and um, I saw so much good stuff here that I'm just like, we're going to have to read this whole thing. So, but I don't want to preach this sermon, and I could easily get carried away because it's one of my favorite parts of, of Scripture. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Okay? I want you to attentively be paying attention, and I want you to be drawing out the aspects of and, and be making observations about how abiding in Christ makes healthy branches. Okay? So be thinking about how abiding in Christ will make, will we'll, we'll produce, will we'll take the, the gospel truth and, and turn it into fruit. Okay? Here we go. John, John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. A lot of stuff there. But tell me, tell me, what do, you, what do you see? What is the importance of, of abiding in Christ? Consequences of not abiding in Christ, what are some of the benefits of abiding in Christ? The fruits of the Spirit. <clears throat> okay. You'll bear fruit. Yep. And if you don't abide in Christ, you'll be cut off. Cut off. Thrown away. Same thing in Matthew 3, that the, the man standing with the axe at the root of the trees. Okay. What, what about what about what about those of you who, who you're seeing fruit, but you want to you want to bear better fruit, you want to bear more fruit? What does it say about that person? 
He prunes you. He prunes you. That if you pray, you will receive. Yep. That that if you ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. And that's not a obviously we're not going down the road of name it and claim it, whatever you want, right? Because we were praying for we we're praying for Bob that he wouldn't, you know, that he would be acquitted and get to come home. Uh but, but that didn't necessarily happen. Um, but what we did pray for is that he, the Lord will strengthen him and give him a ministry. And so he did do that, you see. And so um, so it's, it's when we desire what his will is, which we're going to get to that. Yep. My father, look at verse 8. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And then you jump straight into love. Do you understand abiding in Christ's love? Abiding in His love, which we talked about last week, which I, I put as a root. I put as a root. Man, abide, abide in His love and understand that. And what will it do? What will it do when you sin? Let's just take this one concept of love. When you sin, and you know the truth about Christ's love and God's love, and then you, let's say now you're going to abide in that. You're going to apply that truth. What will that make you do when you sin? If you know Christ loves you. Be broken. Okay. Repent and be broken. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll be sorrowful because you're sinning against Christ. And uh, Let me ask this. Will it make you run away from church and run away from Christ? Because he, no, but because he wants to discipline you, right? He wants to, he's going to punish you for your sin. No. Why doesn't He punish you for your sin? He's already been punished for your sin. Because God already punished Christ for everything that you would do against Him. Christ has already been punished. And He, he did that out of His love. So when you sin, if you apply God's love, Christ's love, then you will run to Him. In repentance, you'll be broken of your sin. You'll be sorrowful of your sin. You won't want to go back to it. Because God loves you. And He's already paid for your sin. You see, see, that's the roots of love. Boom. That's the branches that you need to take that understanding to the fruit, to apply it. There is a difference of knowing Christ and abiding in Christ. There is a difference between knowing about the vine and abiding in the vine. This is the second aspect of a healthy branch. Is that the, the first one is that, that you will be controlled by Him, that you'll be filled and controlled by Christ. And the second aspect is that Christ will be your compass. You know, we are, we are controlled by Christ, yes, but how? How? What specifically is it? You know, did the Armenians get it right about the Calvinists that Christ just comes in and takes over like a robot? Is that how it works? No. That. What's that? I just say the love of Christ compels us. So. Yep. And and you know what you know what that is. Um. That is, that is in verse nine. Oops. So we're going back to Colossians. Back in Colossians 1, verse 9. It says, We not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled. Here it is. So that you are controlled. Controlled by what? Controlled or filled with the knowledge of His will. This is a very precise and carefully worded phrase. 
What does it mean to be controlled by knowledge? It's, it's not just knowledge for the sake of knowledge. That's what Gnosticism was. Um, it means that they would be dominated, controlled by the knowledge of His will. They would be controlled by what Christ desires. So here's, here's how it works. You have the root of love. And you can understand this. You can, you can get the knowledge here. But when you, are, when you are filled with the knowledge of His will, that means that what Christ desires for you and His, and His love flows up and out through these branches. It means that now you are taking that knowledge and you are applying it. It means that you are fully grasping this and applying it to your heart and to your life. And like a compass... It will direct you where you need to go. The knowledge of His will 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 abide in you. This is life impacting, life changing. Not just knowing it as fact, but obeying it. Living it. Walking according to His compass and and not our own. You know, Ellie and I, uh, we had had breakfast the other morning. and, And he explained something in a new way that I really appreciated. And he said one of the factors of him coming to salvation was not so much knowing truth. It's not, that the, it's not so much that the gospel is true, but it's that it's a reality. It's a reality. And this really helped me. This really helped me. Getting from roots to fruit. What is, what is the purpose of the branches? It is, um, you know, that, that truth, you know, there, this, this, this dividing line of truth is very thin. This, this really helps me understand how narrow that gate is. How narrow that path is. There's a fine dividing line for heaven and hell. On the one side, you have the truth that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Okay? Then you have the reality that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Truth. Truth. I I intellectually understand that Jesus Christ died. 2,000 years ago by the Romans uh, because of the relationship that the Jews had with them. I understand all the Jewish laws that caused them or kept them from being able to crucify their prisoners. They went to the uh, to Herod who was over them and I can tell you all about the Roman society and, and how the government worked. I, phys- uh, I, I, I um, philosophically understand all the aspects of it. You know that it's a vicarious punitive atonement. His propitiation, the expiation of how the eternal Son could absorb the full wrath of God in six hours. Philosophically, I can go through all these different doctrines. I can help you understand because I understand the truth. Because it's true. And it is true. But there's a big difference between when you go to the reality. The reality that without Christ, I'm nothing. Without Christ, I don't have hope. I deserve the wrath that He took. I deserve hell. But instead, I get to serve my Savior who redeemed me from the domain of darkness. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. The reality of this knowledge will change your life. 
It's, it's that fine dividing line between truth and reality. Has it changed your life? It's the difference between a bunch of roots that don't seem to have any fruit and the roots that have the trunks and the branches of abiding in Christ, turning this truth into reality, and that tree bears much fruit. Not because of anything that the farmer can do, <laughs> right? But because of what Christ has done in, in taking the nutrients to the ends of the branches. You know, that brings us to the third aspect of a healthy branch. You know, Christ... Christ gives us the commission to put into action the truth that we know. He gives us the commission. So we see that Christ takes control, then Christ gives a compass, and then that Christ gives the commission to do something with this. And that is, he says that we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled or controlled with the knowledge of His will that is taking truth into reality. And then here it is, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the ability to, to take the facts and develop principles from them. You know, that's, that's, you know, you take those principles and you put them together and you apply them to daily life. Man, there are some, there are some wonderful biblical counselors that can do this. And, uh, and I know some awesome preachers, some, you know, expositors that, um, Sometimes you're like, man, have a hard time, you know, connecting this to your life or connecting it to other people's lives. It's, 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 it takes time. It takes discernment and skill to develop spiritual wisdom and understanding that you are now applying all the truth that you know and applying this to daily life, to these circumstances. And, you know, a lot of times I've, I've talked to different people and counseled different people that come with, you know, they have these different problems, these major problems. And um, they're like, man, my relationship with my wife is just not going good. It's just, you know, she's just, uh, it's really hard and whatnot. I'm like, well, do you ever sin against her? Like, well, yeah, you know, I, I did this or that. And like, well, did you ask for forgiveness? Or, you know, the scripture says, you know, we were to seek forgiveness and, and, and seek to make things right. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Have you done it? Well, you know, I just... It's not that simple. It's like, yes, it is. It's simply, simply living with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, taking the truth and applying it, making it real to everyday life. We need to know how to apply truth. Paul wants them to understand God's will so that they can be dominated by it. Human wisdom just isn't going to cut it. If we're going to produce good fruit, we need spiritual wisdom and understanding about life. You know, human wisdom, you can, you can go to secular seminars on leadership, and they will tell you that if, if you as a leader are humble, then you are going to gain influence amongst your workers. If you are a, uh, and even just, just recently, that within the last 10 years, the paradigm of, of good corporate leadership has changed. And they've realized, you know what? A strong leader, a good leader, um, what used to be a dictator, and somebody who would be the CEO and just dictate and tell everybody what to do, that's changed. And that now companies um, are, are thriving when they are um, led by a servant leader. Somebody who is there to serve his people. And also you have this thriving. That was, that was the business model of 
Google. You know, and I worked for a research and development firm that that took that model. It was a uh, he was in, he was in, uh, an inventor <laughs> and, a, and a doctor, and we had a whole bunch of engineers together, and he took the model of, of Google and applied it, and it was a great place to work. We had a chef cooking us food, and we got to ride on Razor scooters around, the <laughs> around our warehouse and from the lab back over to the, yeah, I was like, man, I want to work somewhere like this. It's, it's really funny watching, you know, these guys carry these $10,000 circuit boards on a, on a scooter, you know, like, <laughs> but, um, but the, but the idea was that build, build a, an environment that serves the people, that serves the people. And so, so I mean, you can learn these principles from, uh, from secular seminars, you know, but, but we, we don't want to be humble so that we can produce more stuff. We want to be humble. We want to humble ourselves so that we can represent Christ who humbled himself even unto death. Amen. You know, I've, I've heard psychologists say, you know, don't hold a grudge, because if you hold grudges, this is going to take away your peace. Well, sure, but the Bible commands us to forgive those who sin against us in an infinite amount of times. Why? Because Christ forgave you that much. So, you know, I remember uh, just speaking of this, uh, you know, this reality of taking things and, and applying them. Molly and I went backpacking in the Sequoia National Forest on our, in our second, no, first anniversary. First anniversary, we took a trip up there. and um, We were excited. We had all this, we have all this really cool backpacking gear and stuff. And so I loaded up this like 60 pound pack and her nickname became Light Pack because she just had this little thing, you know. And so she's like running up hills and stuff. I'm like, I'll be right there. You know? <laughs> and we, um, we went to Sequoia National Forest, and, and we had a real cool trail. Had it all mapped out on the little map and stuff. And we're like going, you understand, into the wilderness. This isn't like you walk five feet and you have a little pump, and you know the no. This is like into the wilderness. Um, and so we're taking this trail, and we're going to the wilderness. And probably about I don't know two miles, three miles into this into this thing, we came across a creek bed. Call it a creek or a creek here. Yes. Creek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we came across the creek and went across and kind of a little trail went up this way so I followed it and then it kind of disappeared and going across that creek I, I, I lost the trail I lost the trail I was like oh man I was like well I'll just, I'll just revert to my Marine Corps land navigation skills and my map and my compass so it's, it's this way so let's go so, so we started going along and uh, eventually you know the opening kind of turned this way, and then it turned that way, and and then uh, and then it got really really bushy, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hmm, something's not going right. Well, well, I, that mountain right there is right here. So if we just go up this way, and we'll go over that mountain, then on the other side, uh, I imagine we'll be around this creek where we want to be anyway. So so let's go. So it's like. You know, grabbing branches and like climbing up and over, and I have my newlywed wife and her tennis shoes, you know, because we're gonna stay on the trail. And uh, so now we're going down, and, and we come across this like swamp. And I was like, oh dear. And so we're trying to find a way, and like mosquitoes are biting us, and we're like, ah, there's a reason they didn't take the trail by here, you know. And it got worse and worse, and I was like, the, <laughs> the 
phrase, the phrase became, hold on, baby, it's right over that ridge, just right over that ridge, you know? And so, well, as soon as we get to the ridge, we'll be able to see down, and it'll be there. So we're up on, you know, climbing one more ridge, you know? And it starts to get dark. It starts to get cold. And then we started to run out of water. Because if you stay by the trail, it crosses enough streams that you can pump your water. And we had one apple. One apple. Everybody's <laughs> laughing. We're getting thirsty. And we're like, okay, right over that ridge. I know there's going to be some water. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, we're going to Jenny Lakes. I, I remember this. And I was like, and so if this is that mountain, this is that mountain. If we just go down through here, and it's like treacherous, like down through this area, right over there should be Jenny Lakes. I, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, and she was like, I don't know at this point, you know. And we had, we had this one apple. So, um, um, we're like, you know what, we should probably just uh, probably, you know, get back down and try to go over this area where we might need to set up camp. And so we're still hiking and we're getting thirsty. So we're like, okay, let's, let's cut the apple open. So we cut the apple. <laughs> she takes half and I take half and she's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, you're afraid that this might be your only substance for the next night, you know, so a little concern. And uh, so we eat the apple and, you know, we keep walking and, and all of a sudden I hear, I'm like, okay, that's either trees wrestling or that's water. And so we kept walking and sure enough, there was water there. And, uh, and so we went down we got down just shortly, uh, short past path, past there. We, there was a trail and, uh, and so we were back on the, on the way. And, and what I, what I learned from that major lesson that I learned from that um, is that instead of, when I lost the trail, instead of backtracking, oh, did I miss in detail? We also didn't have a compass or a flashlight. I just wanted to <laughs> <laughs> What was I doing? I was like, wow. No, 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 no. No, we did have a compass. I had a compass on the, on the tip of my... Uh, on the tip of my lighter, it stopped working once we got out there. That's what happened. So I was like, oh, this is the only compass. I had. Shoot, that says north that way. And it says north that way. That's not good. <laughs> so I'm going off the sun, you know. I'm like, okay, so that's, we know it's west because the sun's setting, you know. <laughs> um, but in, when I lost the trail, instead of, instead of backtracking, even a hundred yards, you know, after we'd gone, we're like, ah, this is not a trail anymore, you know, let's go right back where we came from. Instead of backtracking, I bushwhacked. I bushwhacked. That's the name, that's the term for take out your machete and you cutting through branches and stuff because there's no trail there. You bushwhack. And so instead of backtracking, I bushwhacked. It's dangerous to live by your own understanding. And we need to apply the truth of the gospel and we need to get the hope of the gospel applied to every aspect of our life so that we will have wisdom and understanding. We should have backtracked. We should have went, as it were, back to the branches, back to the path of understanding. But instead I was like, no, I think we got this. And almost dehydrated my n newly wed wife and <laughs> and ruined I, that was we were on the verge of ruining backpacking ever again you know we were like um i think the next morning we got up and we decided to explore 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> we got lost again. <laughs> but it wasn't quite as bad. But um, anyway, when we went to when we went to Tahoe uh, a year later, and we backtracked six miles into Half Moon Lake out there, uh, we stayed on the trail. We we stayed on the trail, and so we learned how to backtrack because. Instead of backtracking to what was right to the compass of Christ and, and applying truth that we knew, I decided to go out and make my own truth. And um, it was not good. You know, Paul dealt with the roots of the Christian life, the gospel, Christ's love for us. That we are slaves of Him and that our hope is in heaven. That is, that is where the Christian life starts. You know, today we learn about the these branches of the Christian life that simply by by abiding in Christ, by worshiping Christ, by by staying on the path of Christ and trusting Him and and finding all of our hope and our reality of life in Him, making truth real by knowing that Christ is with us, being that that allows us to be controlled by Him. And next week, next week we're we're actually going to look at this fruit of the Christian life, so that you can see the blessing, the blessing of living the Christian life, so that it'll it'll allow you to dig deep down into your roots, and so that you you understand the benefit of abiding only in Christ and not by our own understanding. So next week we're going to look at the, the, the blessing of the Christian life and what God gives us and the fruits that He gives us in our, in our life. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your grace on our life. Lord, I, I, I know it very well. I know Your grace very well. And thank You for it. I pray that You will, Lord, allow the, the grace of, of Your truth to be real, reality for everybody in here and that they would apply truth Lord, that they would abide in Christ alone. Lord, to be filled with, with the knowledge of His will. And in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, apply that knowledge. Lord, thank You for Your love for us. And just ask that You will bless everyone in here as we go through this next week. Be with the women's Bible study on Tuesday and with the men gathering on Thursday. And Lord, with the Discovery Group on Wednesday and just all the many things you're doing in this, in this group. And we just thank you and love you for it. In your name we pray. Amen.